We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. All right, we um, are on uh, page three. Uh, well, it's numbered page three. Uh, it's uh, chapter 19, uh, Midrash number three. Uh, it's got a big kind of block quote uh, in the middle of the first column. Everybody see where I am? Okay, so it's going to start with uh, uh, the ver- we we had the the initial verse of, uh, of of chapter three that we've been looking at before about uh, about the the, the serpent, uh, right? So just a reminder about that verse. <speaking in Hebrew> That the serpent was, or the snake was, uh, was more clever than any other uh, animal of the field that uh, the Lord God had created. Vayomer el ha'isha, and so he said to uh, the serpent, said to the woman, Af ki amar Elohim lo tochlu mikol etzagan. Did 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 God really say? Uh, that you shall not eat of any tree of the garden. Okay, and then uh, the next verse is, Vatomer ha'isha el So the woman responds to the serpent, Mipri uh, nochel. We can eat from the trees from the trees of the garden, right? Which is uh, which is true, right? God said, God actually specifically said that you can eat of any tree of the garden, with one exception. Right. Uh, and from the tree uh, that is in the middle of the garden, uh, God said, do not eat from it and do not touch it, lest you die. Uh, now she's partially right about that. Um, uh, the snake said to the woman, uh, "You most certainly will not die." Ki yodea Elohim ki biyom achalchem mimenu v'nifkechu enechem v'item ki Elohim yodei tovara. For the for God knows that on the day that you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God or like the gods uh, uh, who know good and evil. Vatera haisha kitova etzamachal, and so uh, the woman saw that the the tree was uh, good to eat or good for eating. Vechita avahu leinaim, and it was a, uh, a delight to the eyes, or it was uh, tempting to the eyes. Uh, Tava is like a craving, right? So it's like uh, it it, um, it was yeah, like like tempting, alluring to the eyes. Venechmada etzahaskil. And the tree was uh, uh, desirable uh, uh, to become wise. Vatikach uh, mipirio, and she took from its fruit vatochal and ate it. Vatiten gam la isha ima veyochal. 
and she gave it also to her husband with her, uh, and he ate. All right, so there's there's a number of issues in those uh, uh, four verses. Uh, we've, we've already kind of uh, alluded to, uh, to some of them, uh, right? So... Um, uh, the snake's initial question was uh, was was premise was had false pretense you know was premise on false uh, uh, information. Um, he said, you know, is it uh, true that you can't eat from any tree of the garden? Right, and that sort of like I guess you know catches the woman in a logical trap, uh, which says, no, we can we can eat from all the trees of the garden with with one exception. Um, uh, which is true, uh, except uh, uh, except if you recall, there are two trees in the middle of the garden, not just one. So that's the uh, part of uh, part of the um, uh, 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 incorrectness of, of her response. The other incorrectness of the uh, response. Uh, I'm pretty sure. I have to go back and look at the verse, but I'm pretty sure uh, God doesn't say that you can't touch the tree of knowledge, just as you can't eat from the tree of knowledge. Um, and, uh, and then, uh, and then, you know, her, her response is lest, lest you die, um, which, um, you know, it's, it seems to me that the, um, that the, that the death issue is a, is a punishment from eating from the tree of knowledge and not a consequence of eating from the tree of knowledge. And right? understand, right? Like it's not, it's not something that in, that that invariably happens as a as a uh, a physical result of eating from the tree of knowledge. Um, I don't think that eating from the tree of knowledge makes them mortal, um, uh, uh, but uh, it certainly doesn't make them die immediately. Uh, but rather, as a punishment, it's it's God's response to you eating from the tree of knowledge is to is to kill you. Um, so um, so we're unclear about whether she's right about that or not. But the, anyway, the serpent responds to her that that, that you won't die. Uh, uh, rather, God just says that God's going to kill you because God doesn't want you to eat from it because God um, is um, uh, uh, is is sort of maintaining God's own position. It's a it's a power play on God's part, right? That uh, that God doesn't want you to be like God, and God knows that if you eat from the tree, you'd be like God. Right. Uh, at, at the very least, in this one respect of being able to know the difference between good and evil, or to act. Sorry, I, mean, they, I don't. I don't know exactly what it means to be a knower of good and evil. Maybe it's knowing the difference between good and evil. That, that, but that was, I think, imposing too much on it. Um, that you will know good and evil, and then in that way, you will be like God, and that's what God doesn't want, according to the snake. So then do we assume that Adam and Eve at this point did not know the difference between good and evil? Uh, uh, it, whatever, whatever this means, you know, whatever good and evil in this sense means, I guess it's, uh, it's, it's uh, reasonable to presume that they didn't know. Um, but, you know, what... Um, but I'm not sure I under, I'm not sure I fully understand what it means what good and evil here means. Um, you know, does it mean that you again like, you know, does it mean that you don't know the difference between right and wrong? Uh, is it talking about some kind of like deeper secret of the cosmos? You know, um, uh, some kind of like you know moral code and that's that's built into the structure. You know, like it could be. Uh, you know, the, which is which is uh, uh, how. Um, 
uh, uh, some in the in the um, uh, in in the uh, Christian scriptural tradition uh, and then mystical tradition that followed it, um, uh, talking about you know like uh, maybe this is talking about like a primordial battle of good and evil that that existed before creation. Right? So in other words, like you know some kind of divine secret. Um, that that humans wouldn't otherwise be privy to, um, you know. Th- there there um, uh, there's there's clearly a sense here that that uh, that the woman uh, has some kind of moral discernment. Um, she knows it's wrong to eat from the tree. She knows that, so she knows the difference between obedience and disobedience. Right. Exactly. So that's why I'm that's why I'm not quite clear on what good and bad means here, and why it uniquely makes you like God to to do that. At least in the snake's estimation, uh, I also don't know if the snake is right that the, the, that this is what God's anxiety is or, or rationale is. Could be lying. Could be sure. Certainly could be lying. Although we do hear later. Uh, that the reason that God kicks them out of the garden is because they are like uh, God, who knows the different, who knows good and evil, uh, and so now they might uh, um, they might get clever and eat from the tree of life and and then uh, secure immortality. Um, so the snake could be lying here, but later uh, textual evidence suggests that. That that there is that was God's anxiety that God didn't want them to 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 know things that only God would know. But on the other hand, we know from what goes before that God makes man in His image and likeness. True, but we don't know exactly what that, that means. means right, right, uh, because God presumably has no image, right. Um, so I don't know what it means to create somebody uh, in God's image, other than. Uh, other than to say that um, that that it gives humanity, you know, a certain kind of like, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, dignity uh, that that other creations don't have, um, status that other creations don't have. Yeah. So uh, anyway, but then all right. So the, uh, so whatever it means, um, maybe we'll get answers to that. Um, and then the woman sees that the that the tree is good for eating. Uh, um, which, you know, uh, again, so it, she, that, that's, an, I think, an answer to that question, right? Is uh, eating from the tree presumably gives you access to, uh, uh, da'at tovara, uh, but she knows what tov is because she sees that the tree was tov lama'achal. And so she knows what good is, in a sense, because she sees that the tree is good to eat. Um, uh, uh, and that it's uh, alluring to the eyes, and that it's uh, good as a source of wisdom, or, or, or pleasing as a source of wisdom. Um, uh, you know, again, I, yeah, how she knows all this based on what the snake says, and based on a simple like looking at the tree. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, presumably, what it means is that she like she she agreed with the with the reasoning. Right. So again, you know that 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 um, there there's a the level of discernment here that humanity clearly already possesses. Um, 
Uh, and so anyway, she takes from its root and eats and gives also to the man. Again, this is a question that we had uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about it. You know, where's the man, where's Adam during all this? Recall maybe the, the man and the woman. Um, they don't really have names yet. Um, uh, so her husband with her. Uh, uh, so where was he? I don't know. I mean, uh, if I read this literally, it sounds like he was standing right there. Uh, and so if he was standing right there and, you know, all, you know, was, was privy, that's another dimension. It's like, how did she know that this was the rule anyway? Um, but the man definitely knew what the rule was because God gave him the rule. So, uh, so was he there? Was he not there? I don't know. And, and, uh, and he ate too. Okay. So that's, those are some of the issues that are at play in, in these, in these verses. Uh, and, our, our first midrash is going to um, uh, deal with the question of uh, the location of Adam during this whole episode. All right. Uh, does anybody want to read? All right. Thank you. Now, where was Adam at this time? Abba Bar Pariah said he had engaged in marital relations and therefore become weary <laughs> fallen asleep. Okay. So he was he was there, but he was uh but it was like right after they had relations and uh, and and he was uh, and he was taking a schluff. It was also a, a reference to her husband, Eve's husband earlier. Yeah. So when was the marriage? <laughs> uh we we talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago. It, it, it's it's implied in uh the uh, it's implied after the woman is created because it talks about you know, um, and that's that's why you know a woman leaves her her father and uh, and and is bound to her husband as one flesh. Um, so I think that the implication of the verse is that they they were they were married right when she was created. Um, you know, which is dicey. You know, there's uh, like uh, the only people on earth, but maybe they don't like each other. But uh, but they. Um, but they, uh, the the midrashic understanding of that verse uh, earlier is that they that they're already married. I wanted to just make a comment for your comment. This happens in midrash, happens in Talmud too. Where do they come up with things like this? What is there preceding in the text that would possibly lead for them to come up with something like that? Is he joking? Is he joking? Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, this no. is a running conversation. And he says, well, he, they were, you know, he was recovering from marital relations. What in the world makes him come to that conclusion? Well, uh, I mean... Uh, I mean he, could just, excuse me, he could just as easily say, Adam stubbed his toe, and he wasn't able to be present at the time. I mean, uh, whole cloth, he just plucks it out, and there it is. So I guess there's, there's, there's you know, two... Yeah, they kind of said he went outside to smoke. Right, right. <laughs> I like that. Right. <laughs> so I guess I guess there are a few different ways I can answer that question. You know, the first is there is a thread that we saw uh, a, a, a couple weeks ago uh, that you know what motivates the serpent here is jealousy over uh, that uh, over Adam's relationship with Eve. And the serpent wants Eve. So this, I think, fits into that, that kind of like narrative thread that says, you know, uh, 
uh, Adam and Eve are are you know hot and heavy. The serpent sees them and uh, and gets jealous and then you know waits for Adam to fall asleep after after they are intimate and then proceeds to talk to Eve so he can get Adam out of the picture. I think that that but it's a serpent. <laughs> what he's a serpent. He's not another man. So what does that matter to the serpent? Well, does does, does, does the Serpent desire Eve in a carnal sense. That, according to some thread of the midrash, yeah. Mm. And it, you know, we don't have we don't have a, uh, a a character motivation for the serpent in the text, um, which is you know sometimes true. I mean, like we you know we don't often get character motivations in Torah. One of the the midrash serves to do is give us character motivations, um, so that way we can kind of understand the, the moral message of the text. Right, so the, you know, this remember this homiletic midrash. So we want to hear how the moral message of the text. You know, uh, what we can say is that you know that uh, um, that lust, um, uh, lust for you know for lust, especially lust for another person's uh, wife, uh, will will always lead you to downfall. Right, if I were to you know, um, but so that so so that's that's. Uh, um, one of the things that Midrash tries to do is tries to uh, fill in the the, mode, the the character motivations of the text. The other is um, is uh, is to um, uh, you know is, is to try to I guess let me think of how I'll put this um, to think of the most. Um, the most likely dramatic scenario. Least likely. The most likely. Most. The most likely. So here I think you have to deal with this question of it seems like from the text that Adam was there, but yet he wasn't saying anything. You know, so 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 is it, you know, is it does he choose to be silent? Does he not know how to respond? Um uh, is he nearby but not within earshot, or is he there but not conscious, right? And they're going, I think, in the route that he's there but not conscious, right? Uh, that he was asleep. Why was he asleep? I don't know. Maybe he was just tired. Um, but that's not so dramatic, right? So um, to, to it, it like adds to the drama that he had just engaged in 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 uh, in, in relation. So. In some sense, it's invented, right? Um, uh, but it's not, I think, out of nowhere, right? There is also, I think, a, a kind of undercurrent, sort of a, a, a sexual undercurrent of the story, right? I mean, and, and, you know, that's not just me speaking. I mean, that's, you know, uh, as a story is depicted throughout much of human history, um, sex is an element of this story. Right, so um, so it's present, I think, at least as a as an undercurrent in the story. So to say that you know there's uh, that 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 sex already features into this narrative, um, uh, and they're just naming it outright. Um, I don't think it's drawing it out of nowhere. On the other hand, you know, one of the nice things of midrash is you could say I think that that's an implausible explanation, you know, or or you know, there's no there's no basis for it, right? So. I said some time ago that I thought the serpent was really a good example of metaphor, and if it's metaphor, then then that becomes plausible. Why? Because the meta uh, the serpent could be a metaphor for another another man. 
right. being one's wife. Sure, sure. Although you'd have a problem there because, uh, you know, in other words, it's just an allegory in the serpent. But if it was just an allegory, then why not? Then why not uh, say, you know, God created two men, um, one one that we know about and one that we didn't know about. And well, I, I agree with that, but then we're getting to the point because I like to say often, how can we penetrate the mind of God? Right. But I guess you know. I guess listen. I guess to say you know that that. Uh, um, uh, if, you, if, I, if I wanted to uh, paint a negative picture of somebody who uh, had you know, yearnings for another person's wife and wanted to act on it, um, I would call them a snake, right? <laughs> so, uh, so I think it's, uh, that's that's a that's a I think a reasonable um, a reasonable approach, and that may be what the what the rabbis and midrash are trying to do with this. Um, Personally, I'm still taken with the with the uh, line of reasoning that this isn't about um, this isn't about carnal desire. It's about power. Um, the snake wants to be wants to be more powerful than humans, and he's playing on the human's desire to be as powerful as God. Um, and so he's going to exploit their desire to be more powerful than they are in order to get to be more powerful than he is. Where, where do you get the idea that the, the two human beings here? want to be more powerful than God. Because immediately after he says, "Don't the reason God doesn't want you to eat from the tree because he knows that you'll be like God if you eat from the tree, the woman says, ooh, it looks like a good idea to eat from the tree. So he put that idea in her head. Yeah, there's no other indication of it. Anyway, all right. So, um... All right, so Adam uh, Adam was uh, Adam was tired after a, after a, a, a full night of lovemaking. Okay. So why do you think that they immediately assumed that Adam had to have, you know, not really been standing right there witnessing everything? I mean, do, they don't go down that path at all. They just ignore that path as if you know, oh, well, that can't possibly be. He couldn't possibly have been standing there listening to everything and not saying anything or not telling you don't do that. That's the impression I've always had all my life. And always go this, you know, they're going this other path. But he was, sorry. Reasons why he wasn't, you know, saying anything. I mean, you know what I'm saying? What other reason, what other reason would you come up with? Well, I don't understand why they don't go, it says, where was he? Why don't they just say he was standing right next to Eve and he agreed with what the serpent said. He I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying they don't talk about that at all. Is that because that can't possibly be? I I don't think it, I don't think that uh, um, they say that uh, the absence of evidence is not evidence of absence, right? So it, I I think that it could be within the realm of possibility. Rabbis might have thought it was in the realm of possibility that he was there and for other reasons, you know, decided not to answer. Um, uh, or maybe he thought it was okay. Maybe he thought it was maybe okay. Agreed. I guess what I'm saying, maybe he agreed. Maybe he thought it was okay. Maybe he That's was cu- maybe he was curious and wanted to see what would happen. And it was, you know, it's like, uh, you know, uh, the king who uh, who has somebody else taste his wine before he drinks it because he's worried that someone might have poisoned it. And he's like perfectly willing for her to yeah. incur the consequence. And then when he see, maybe his understanding was that the death was a consequence and not a punishment. When he saw that she didn't die, he said, "Oh, well, then I guess I might as well eat from it too, right?" Um, uh, so that's another possibility. Is that? 
No, I, I so you know, so I, I now I'm going to write midrash on the midrashers. You know, um, like why didn't they go down that road? Uh, I mean, I guess one possibility is that they're trying to um, they're trying to exonerate Adam in some way, but uh, and and uh, and indict Eve more more fully um, to say that you know maybe if Adam hadn't been um, hadn't been asleep, then uh, then he would have stopped her from from doing it. You know, cooler heads would prevail. Um, and it seems like he was there, so you know, so that that he was there and didn't say anything. We need to we need to kind of uh, deal with that. Um, that's one possibility. It it might be it might be also again like another moral uh, moral message, right? Like another, a further indictment of of Adam. You know, this, maybe this is like a uh, a puritanistic, a puritanical, like strain. Say, like, see what happens when you when when you have all the sex, right? You like get sleepy and you're not, you know, not prepared to make moral decisions. Um, bad things happen. Bad things happen. Um, so I, I honestly don't know. Um, you know, I would have to. Um, uh, you know, I'd have to. Uh, I, I'd have to just guess at it. Um, uh, you know, no. But my my best guess is probably the first thing that they, you know, that they're m- much more inclined to try to uh, make Eve look worse in this than uh, and, and to try to redeem Adam in some way, because these are, after all, you know, sixth uh, century men entirely writing writing this text. So. The rabbis say he was not present because the Holy One, blessed is he, took him and brought him around the entire world, saying to him, here is an area that is good for planting trees. Here is an area that is good for sowing. Thus it is written with regard to the wilderness, in a land through which no man passed, and where no man did not settle, Adam, the first man, did not settle there. Right, so here's another answer to the question. One answer is he was there but asleep. Another answer is that he wasn't there. Uh, that uh, that that God was the, he was on a field trip with God. Um, um, okay, but you know, so again, I think that a measure of midrash is being able to plug it back in the text. So that so if um, if if I followed um, the the position of the majority of the rabbis, what would I do with the, with the implication of the verse that her husband was with her? And he was with her. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, the end of verse 6 says, V'titen gam le'isha ima ve'yochal, right, that she also gave to her husband who was with her, um, and he ate. I added the who was, but because uh, there's not really a to be verb in in, in the believer. But so it was like morally with her. He, uh, when she brought it to him, he was like kind of like with her in spirit. Well, we know that, that uh, he was told not to eat from the tree, and then we're told that in fact he did eat from the tree. So he must have known. He must have approved of the eating. Right. Despite what he had been told. Right, but I guess I, I guess I'm asking, you know, so the so the rabbi's opinion is that that Adam was not present when Eve decided to eat from the tree. 
So then I'm wondering what they do with the with the part of the verse that seems to imply that Adam was present. There's that was my question. Yeah. <laughs> because he ultimately ate from the tree. Does that matter then? Does your question matter? All due respect to you. Does it matter? Uh, well, of course, he might not have known that that was from that tree. If he wasn't, if he was asleep, how does he know where she got Right, no, I, I'm not, I don't have a problem with the I don't have a problem with the asleep one, right? I think that the the mark of a good midrash is that you can plug it back into the story, and the story makes more sense because you plugged it back into the story, right? So, um, but the but the, the the story itself says that the man was with her. So I'm wondering uh, uh, if I if you were the rabbis and you said um, uh, uh, Adam at the time was not with her. Then what do you, what would you do with the part of the verse that uh, that seems to imply that he was with her? I, you might think that the Adam was there, and he also wanted some food. He also wanted some food, but he he uh, when you know he says that if she if she was to, they were told not to touch or eat, and then but she touched the food and she didn't die. So that's why, even though Alan saw her doing it, like she thought he didn't die, so he ate. But I think he was there. So then, so you disagree with what the rabbis say, that he wasn't there? Oh, I think he was there. Because the, this midrash, the second part of this midrash says, you know, we have two opinions here, right? One rabbi says he was there, but he was asleep. And the other opinion says that he wasn't there, he was on a field trip with God. Um... <laughs> Right, so I'm asking about the second opinion um, and how they would respond to the part of the verse that implies that Adam was there. Where is it? What is it? Uh, the, if you look at the end of the block text, the block quote, um, the, the, the last line, she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. But from that, how do I don't see any temporal element in that. She could give it to him the next day. Oh, okay. So, in other words, I don't see. so he was he was with her, but not at the time where she initially took the fruit. Exactly. That's what you did. I mean, okay. I'm not saying that, but that's plausible. That's plausible. Yeah. Okay. Good. Um. <clears throat> okay, but you know, but again, right? You you still have this question. You know, it it seems like they're you know a, an option that's not on the table for them is that. He was present and conscience conscious and decided not to say anything. They don't think that way. That, 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 at least these two opinions. That's my yeah. Okay. All right. So the so the woman uh, uh, says to the serpent um, uh, uh, of the fruit of the tree which is in the center of the garden, God has said, "You shall neither eat of it nor touch it, lest you die." Yeah, that's her response to the snake. Want to keep going? Want to keep reading? Yeah, so that was what the snake said. Uh, no. What the snake said to her. Um, that's what so the that's what the woman says to the snake. Mm-hmm. She says, "Of the fruit of, you may not eat of any uh, of the. Sorry, she says to the serpent, um, uh, you may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, uh, and from the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, God said, do not eat from it and do not touch it.'" Uh, 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 lest you die. 
And Midrash cites and expounds a verse from Proverbs, which it will apply to our verse. Regarding this, it is written, do not add to his words, lest he reprove you, and you will dis be disproven. Rabbi Hiyad said, taught, this can be understood with a parable. Do not make the fence greater that is higher than the main object, such as the saplings that is, to, that is meant to protect, lest it fall and cut down the saplings. Similarly, one should not add to God's words by adding by attributing those measures that are enacted to safeguard them to God himself, lest he thereby come to trample on God's words. What does that mean? You're not supposed to, you're not supposed to say what God said and not add or presumably subtract anything. I guess. Mm -hmm. Good. Um, what's the danger in uh, adding things to what God says. I can understand not subtracting, right? But what, but why not add? Distorting. We distort the message. And we change the message. Okay. So, you should read all these. Hmm? It's written there. I mean, because it's written. It shouldn't be changing. I mean, so we don't... Right, so, um, so let me think of a, uh, so, you know, uh, um, God's, uh, actually I have this conversation all the time uh, around Jewish holidays, right? The, the Torah says that uh, Passover should be observed for seven days. And, uh, and uh, we in the diaspora uh, um, observe Passover for eight days. And so I, I, I constantly have a conversation with some members of the congregation who say, you know, that's an example of adding, uh, adding uh, things uh, that God didn't command. Adding commandments that God didn't command. What about the well-known prohibition against mixing dairy and meat? Right. You're adding more to it. Right. I've never been able to figure that one out. Don't, don't do not boil that. A kid in its mother's milk. Mother's milk. Yeah. That's kid. The whole set of rabbinical laws, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's so uh, it's 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 really fascinating, you know, uh, because the rabbis are uh, um, are, are uh, in some senses uh, masters at uh, expanding upon the the Torah's prohibitions, or at least um, uh, understanding them in an expansive way. Um, so about that one, um, there's uh, Moses on Mount Sinai, and uh, and he is you know getting the laws, and God says, "Do not boil a kid in its mother's milk." And Moses says, "Okay, got it. We're supposed to have separate dishes for meat and dairy." And God says, "No, no, no. Listen to me carefully. Do not boil a kid in its mother's milk." And Moses says, oh, okay, I got it. No cheeseburgers. And God says, no, do not boil a kid in its mother's milk. And Moses says, oh, I see now. No chicken parmesan. And God says, fine, Moses, have it your way. Are you doing this extemporaneously so it's heard or something? What's that? Are you doing this extemporaneously? Or if you're no, I've heard that joke. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, right, so, but... Um, uh, uh, it's, uh, the, the, I think the argument that this midrash is making is that um, is that you are uh, more likely 
to violate a law. Like it, because it distorts the message, it becomes less clear what the original message was, and therefore you become more likely to violate it. Um, That's a good rule of interpretation in many, many things. Yeah, yeah. So because you distort the message by, by changing it or adding onto it, um, it becomes, you become less convinced about what the original message was and therefore more likely to violate it. You're, well, I would say that you're ignoring the, the original message. You're coming up with your own message. Therefore, the probability you're going to violate the original mm -hmm. language goes up. Yeah. It's ambiguity. It, right. Is it really what is the rule? Right. Right. Um, but I, I want to just point out, um, and I, you know, it's interesting. I hadn't noticed this uh, um, a turn of phrase used in this way before. But the um, uh, the, the phrase "kotzetz nitiot," which is the Hebrew for uh, cutting down the saplings, is used in a uh, uh, Talmudic story that we've discussed here before, uh, which is a story of a rabbinic heretic named Elisha ben Abuya, uh, sometimes called Acher, or the, the other, or the outsider. Uh, and it says that when, when Elisha ben Abuya um, uh, committed apostasy, he was kotsetz uh, nitiot, he cut down the saplings. Um, so, uh, you know, that, um, uh, um, you know, it's, I think it's sort of like the idea that you, um, uh, that you're sort of like uprooting, um, uh, uprooting like the principles of the Torah or something like that. But I hadn't seen it, um, so I hadn't seen it used in different contexts before. So I just need to like think about that. It's interesting. The, the commentary here says the notes say if the fence is too high, it is likely to topple on top of the saplings. You know, we are, we're getting lost in the arguments, in the arguments, and then we completely lose control, you know, the, the real message. It could be. It could be. It's sort of like uh, the saying, like, you get lost in the weeds, you know, it's a similar kind of thing. Uh, or you, uh, um, you, know, you can't see the forest for the trees, right? Maybe it's like a similar kind of uh, idiom to that, right? that. And if you if you can't do that, then you, you know, then, you, then, you're, uh, then you're likely to cut down trees not realizing that by cutting down all these individual trees, you're going to destroy the whole forest. Right? Um, let's go on a little bit. Let's see where, where it goes with this. Midrash applies the above to our verse. Similarly, the holy one, blessed is he, had said, but of the tree of knowledge of good and bad, you must not eat thereof. For on the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. God had forbidden only eating of it, not touching it. But Eve did not say thus to the serpent. Rather, she said, God has said, you shall neither eat of it nor touch it, lest you die. Thus she attributed the prohibition against touching the tree to God himself. I mentioned that before, right? That she, uh, she said, you may not eat of it and you may not touch it. Um, uh, but God never commanded against touching it, right? She, 
uh, either made that up or misunderstood or whatever it was. Um, what it doesn't talk about here, which is I think just another dimension of this, is that um, she says, you know, you can't eat the tree that's in the middle of the garden, but there are two trees in the middle of the garden, right? So uh, I think it's sort of maybe belaboring the point, but the um, but. What's pointing out is that okay, she's she's added on or misunderstood or or, or distorted the the commandment um, by adding the thing about touching it. The midrash explains how this led her to ultimately transgressing God's prohibition. When the serpent saw her passing before the tree, he took her and pushed her against it. He then said to her, "You touch the tree, but you did not die." <coughs> Just as you did not die for touching it, so you will not die for eating of it. Rather, God commanded you not to eat from the tree, for God knows that on that day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and bad. Look, look at um, uh, the notes here, because it um, uh, it's one way of of in, of, uh, of understanding. Because uh, I know uh, Joe's objection is going to be, it sounds like they, you know, made that story up about the pushing her against the tree. Um, so, uh, so it's a, if you look at note thirty-two, uh, it says uh, the serpent said to the woman, "You will not surely die," uh, which I, uh, um, I think I tra- when I was translating it freely before, I, I translated it as "You most surely will not die." But the reason I translated it that way is because it's got this double language, mot yamutun, uh, or mot tamutun, um, uh, which uh, is, you know, uh, die, uh, you know, from tra- low mot, right? Uh, not die, uh, you will die, right? Or something like that. Um, so anyway, it says, use the verb to die twice. Now, the Torah does that a lot, when it wants to emphasize, right? So, like, uh, the, the punishment for certain crimes is motumat, Right, uh, you will surely, which, which is, it, it's to emphasize. It's an, it's an emphatic, right? It's like because uh, biblical Hebrew doesn't have punctuation. That's like the um, the the equivalent of putting a question mark, right? Um, uh, death, right? Uh, you will surely die. Um, the, the Torah does the same thing uh, with you know words that cue. Uh, questions, right? So the the snake says in Hebrew, um, the snake says, "Af um, Elohim," right? Then so that "af" is like an indication that, that that the snake is asking sort of like a rhetorical question here, right? So it does those things with language to point out that it that it has um, that you know, it's a, make an exclamation or ask a question. So that's Functionally, literally, what that motamutun does, um, but here the midrash is saying that that double language, the double language indicates that she would not die for eating of it, just as she had not died for touching it. Right. So, in other words, um, you didn't die once; you're not going to die again. Right? It's also kind of catching her in this logical uh, trap that she, in some sense, set for herself. Um, because uh, because she added this thing about touching it, right? And then, since that was never part of the commandment, if she touched it and doesn't die, then she could very easily say to herself, well, that didn't happen, right? So this must be, um, it must be okay to do. It's the equivalent to saying, you know, the Torah says that the, that the punishment 
for um, uh, for not observing Shabbat should be death, right? As we say, okay, you know, well, I I uh, uh, mowed my lawn on Shabbat uh, and a lightning bolt didn't hit me, so that must mean that it that that it's okay to uh, to mow my lawn on Shabbat. I think they're confusing touching and eating. Uh, if you eat the fruit, you're touching the tree, unless of course the fruit has been severed from the tree. The fruit is part of the tree so long as it's on the tree, not that severed. Can you, can you say that again? That you may not, you may touch the tree, but not eat from it. Once in a while. Right. But if you eat from the tree, subsumed in that eating is that you've touched it. Right. Unless we're talking about the fruit already having been severed from the tree, which we have no evidence of that being the case here. What we have here is fruit hanging from a tree. So, so long as it's hanging from the tree, it's part of the tree. You can touch it, but you're not eating it. Right. But if you eat it, you've obviously taken the fruit from the tree and you've touched the tree. So, I'm, 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 I'm not, seeing the, not seeing your point. The, the way, uh, the, the thinking here, the reasoning here is that, uh, it says here, reality is as a safeguard against transgressing God's prohibition against eating it. So she adds this prohibition that not only is the prohibition not to eat from the tree, but also not to touch the tree. And I do not see them necessarily as equivalent. But she saw it as equivalent. That's the that's the whole point. You mean it's Maybe two separate it. things? You don't see it as They can be two separate things. I'm not sure which it is because we're not, I don't think the text is clear. Well, the, I mean, the, the, she, Eve's words in the text, or the woman's words in the text, she's not thinking of you yet. The woman's words in the text um, are that, uh, are, are that um, God said, do not eat of it and do not touch it lest you die. Does God say don't touch it? No, God doesn't, doesn't say, say don't. that. Yeah, right. That's right. Right. But Eve says that God said that. Right. So she's obviously thinking along those lines. Yes. And when she's trying to deceive the, the serpent. I don't think she's trying to deceive the serpent. I, I think that I think that she's she's uh, uh, either she made it up because it made sense to her because of exactly what you're saying, right? In order to eat from it, you have to touch it. And so she presumes that touching is included in the prohibition. Or it could be, which is what the commentary says here, that Adam added that prohibition when Adam told Eve about the prohibition, even though God had never commanded that. And Eve assumed that that's what God said. Eve didn't distinguish between the thing that Adam said versus the thing that God said. Um, now that that actually might be very useful in kind of like thinking about you know the the um, the nature and authority of, uh, of of Jewish law um, in that you know the um, uh, it's important to distinguish between um, things that the Torah says and things that the the, the rabbinic tradition says. Um, uh, on the other hand, it's sometimes hard to know what the Torah says without utilizing what the rabbinic tradition says. So, um, but here, right, you have, you know, Eve, Eve didn't hear the commandment firsthand from God. Eve heard it secondhand from Adam. 
Um, and so she, all she has to go by is what Adam said to her. Right, so that's what it says in the commentary here, right? That um, uh, uh, it could not have been Eve herself who introduced this safeguard against touching the tree, for then she would have realized the reason she did not die was that she had not transgressed God's prohibition. Right? Well, that makes sense. You know, like she touched the tree, she didn't die. If she had, if she had made that up, then she might have said, oh, okay, I guess that wasn't part of the prohibition, but eating definitely is. Right? Um, but she still thinks that both of those things are part of the prohibition, perhaps because Adam said that they were to her. Um, and so uh, Adam enacted that prohibition, it says, and then he failed to notify her that God had prohibited only eating of it. Thus, in reality, it was he, not Eve, who was guilty of adding to God's words. We'll keep on going in the, in the in the in the notes, which ultimately led her to eat led to her eating from the tree. Thus, we see that this the basis for the admonition: do not add to God's words, is that one should not come to transgress the main prohibition when he sees that he is not punished for transgressing the safeguard. This is what is meant by the end of the verse: less. God reprove you, and you will be disproven, i.e., lest you transgress the main prohibition, whereupon God will reprove you, and your distortion of God's words will be exposed. The question may be asked, since it was the serpent who punished Eve against... Sorry, sorry, excuse me. Thank you. Since it was the serpent who pushed Eve against the tree, why did it not occur to her that she did not die because she had not transgressed the prohibition willingly? It's a good question. Right. I mean, again, this is sort of like you know, this is doing Talmud on uh, on a like mid, on a midrashic proposition. Right. The midrashic proposition is that the snake pushed her against the tree. We have no indication that that's true from the text, but let's just roll with it. Um, since it was the serpent who pushed Eve against the tree, what? Why not? Um, why did it not occur to her that she did not die because she had not transgressed the prohibition willingly? Yefet Toar Nezara Kodesh, based on Ramban Nachmanides, verse six, explained that Eve had assumed that God prohibited the tree because it was poisonous, even to the touch. Once the serpent proved to her that it was not so. She was receptive to his argument that God had prohibited to prevent them from becoming like him. This also serves to explain why Eve believed the serpent based on the fact that she did not die right then and there, when God had warned of death only sometime that day. For since she believed that God had meant that it was poisonous, the results should have been immediate. Right, so Eve assumes motivation on God's part that is not uh, that, 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 that's, that you know assumes facts that are not in evidence right um, uh, which you know which, which I think is, uh, is, is fair I mean there's, there's um, uh, uh, that, that happens a lot in, uh, in in the business of Jewish law especially in modernity um, where you try to discern the uh, the rationale behind commandments, um, and say because that rationale is no longer applicable or has been disproven in some way, then the prohibition no longer no longer holds. Right. So, the I think the the classic example of that is the um, early reform movement um, saying that um, that the laws of kashrut were primarily ordinances related to health. Uh, 
And so because we know how to, say, cook pork now, those, uh, those, those laws shouldn't be valid anymore. Um, but again, you know, like, you know, I think that what they're arguing here is like that, you know, it assumes facts, not an evidence. God doesn't say in the Torah, uh, don't eat pork because it's unhealthy for you. God says, don't eat pork because it is impure, right? And impure is not a, a physiological term um, or, uh, or, or a biological term. It's a, it's a moral term. Right. So, um, so I think that that's sort of what it's getting at here is that Eve uh, had uh, had a, had a sense, had her own sense of the rationale for the commandment, and when she realized that uh, that that um, that that rationale, you know, didn't uh, 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 didn't hold, um, then she felt like she had license to um, to to go further. Um, I don't know what you think about that. Well, that's the danger in that approach is always that once you start with it, you can just about justify anything. Right. You can find that any prohibition may have been superseded simply by new conditions. You can search for that kind of thing. Judges are very good at that, by the way. Right. Like all kinds of things, you know, to read into the text things that they don't like that's there. Right. The, I think the flip of it is um, is you know what what the legal scholars call uh, positivism. Yes. Yeah. Exactly right. Right. Where where you're where you're you know wedded to the to the letter of the law of the text in such a way that could totally distort what was the clear intent of that law. Exactly. Yeah. So if Adam added that, well, I mean, he might have maybe he thought God meant. Don't touch it too. For the reason that you said, because you're going to touch it. But how are you going to eat it if you can't if you don't touch it, right? So maybe that was innocent on Adam's part. It doesn't it doesn't explain why he went there. Was the first misogynist prohibition? I told her not to eat from it. Well, I'm going to tell her not to touch it. So (laughs) So I'll be certain if she doesn't touch it, I know she's not going to eat it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think I think that you're actually onto something there. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, you know one of the things that you can say about it, uh, you know, maybe maybe Adam, uh, um, maybe it was based on an assumption uh, uh, from Adam about the um, about the nature of the commandment, right? That uh, that 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 you know God didn't want us to eat from it, um, and because eating would require touching it, then God probably didn't want us to touch it either, um, which would have been a faulty assumption, I guess, um, but a somewhat reasonable one. Um, or, or it's, you know, misogynistic in some way, or right? he didn't, he didn't trust that just giving the actual yeah. commandment to Eve, that Eve would, would follow it. Um, but I, I don't really believe that. <laughs> I don't believe it was Why not? Why not? Well, you know, it's like, uh, some years ago, I'll never forget it. Uh, my wife is going someplace and she, backing out of the garage and she fails to raise the garage door. So I go down and of course I'm not happy and I said to her, I says, don't, don't ever park in the garage again. And she said, and, and I said, I should say, I, because I hit the door, I said, because I know that if you don't park in the garage, you're never going to hit the door again. Right. And of course I wasn't, you know. You lost that battle. Hmm? You lost that battle. 
Of course. <laughs> I really wasn't watching the battle. <laughs> I was blowing off steam. But I knew. I said, if you could never park in the, don't, don't, don't even, don't go near that tree. I don't want trees in the backyard. Man comes over to mow the lawn. He skins the bottom of the tree and girdles the tree and so on. So, only mow the front yard. I know that if you don't go into the backyard, you're not going to harm the tree. But is that realistic? No, that means that I have to then mow the backyard. Right, right. Um, well, and it also it, it also assumes um, uh, it also assumes you know the the. Uh, um, the inability of the person in question to like do the to do the right thing, right? So you know, telling your wife no, exactly. never to park yeah. in the garage, right, presumes that you know the the reason that she hit the uh, the garage door uh, is not because she had like a momentary lapse in attention or something like that, but because she you know uh, as a person is incapable of backing out of the garage without hitting the garage door. No, she was capable of it, and I knew that, and she knew it. She just was inadvertent. Right. Wasn't thinking. We do it. Right. <laughs> you know? No one's perfect. Yeah. Okay. Um, sorry. Parsing things like this is just <laughs> what we're doing now. You mentioned Oakham's razor a couple of times in this in this class. Mm -hmm. We're we're embellishing this. We're adding things to it rather than just looking at the bare words themselves. And we could go on and on and on with all kinds of possibilities, especially when we keep interjecting new things in it that the text doesn't necessarily support. But the problem is that the text, uh, um, you know, even even trying to come up with the simplest possible explanation for what's going on is midrash because the the you know the text uh, doesn't say. You know, I, I'm not sure that that you know this argument that um, uh, that that Eve was more likely. To violate the commandment because she um, she either misunderstood or distorted the commandment in the first place is not a simple explanation for what happened. It seems pretty simple um, and and, and um, true to reality. Like we do that all the time. Um, you know, there's something there's something human about that. Um, you know, the what about Adam sleeping after sex? Maybe that's not the simplest explanation. I was thinking you because. Apparently, she, he, he was not there when God told Adam, so she was not really impressed because she didn't hear from God, she heard from Adam. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we tend to be more doubtful. Hmm. And uh, so I wouldn't be so drop on me, I mean, <laughs> I think, right. but I think maybe she didn't think it was that, that bad because she didn't hear from God. Right. Like you, even you know that the law, the, the laws are created by somebody else. We have to stick to them because they say we have to. Apparently, for the benefit of everybody, for for uh, for, uh, for each of us. Sometimes we know that the laws are made are made by the power, and they, and they try to control people through through the law. Yeah, that's true, and and I think that like you know, in Eve's defense, you know, she like if she doesn't hear directly from God, you know, it's like. Uh, it's he said, he said, right? The, you know, Adam says, don't, you, God said, don't eat from the tree. And how does she know that, that Adam's any more reliable than the snake? Maybe Adam told her, don't even touch it. Because he heard, don't eat. I said, don't even touch it. And naturally, well, then, you know, those snake quotation marks, I mean, she took that. Mm -hmm. But 
because how did the snake knew that God said don't eat it? Oh, I don't eat it. Just don't touch it. I mean, she was, she was saying here, no? About uh, don't. You know, God only said that don't eat it, but you can't touch it. Um, okay, so next week we're going to look at the question of what does it mean that the tree granted knowledge of good and bad. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and then next week, um, let's talk a little bit about, uh, about the summer schedule, um, and see what we, uh, uh, what we might want to do or not do, uh, over the course of the summer. Um, Are you planning on going through the entire summer? No, no, I think we should talk about it together. I don't want to. I don't want to do something that, that you're that you know that, that you're not prepared to show up for, and uh, um, and uh, um, and um, and I also don't want you to uh, show up for something that I'm not prepared to teach. So, um, uh, so we should we should uh, talk about it together. We'll be on, hopefully. Are you going to be here next week? Uh, I will be here. I think that's the last. Next week is the thirtieth and. I leave the country on the 5th, so it would be my last meeting. Okay, great. I'll be back the last week. Well, we, we return to the United States on the 26th. And I may have jet lag. I don't know about the 27th. Right. <laughs> but if you're going to meet thereafter, I will come. All right, so uh, uh, so so let's all talk about that next week. Um, I think that it probably makes good sense. Uh, to take July off at least, um, but we could talk about whether we also want to take June off, um, uh, or maybe the whole summer off. We could talk about that. Um, I was just going to say totally off the subject, but I was trying to make these discussions and decisions. That what you said earlier is that these Midrash stories were written in whatever century it was, so mm-hmm. their outlook is going to be so different sure what we're doing now so you know no matter what we say it's our interpretation yeah may not be the same yeah um well that's why it's fun to study things because you know it's like you're you know you're studying the same torah but you get to have a conversation about it with uh with people who lived a thousand years more than a thousand years before before we did right they're talking about a text that was written you know more than a thousand years before before they uh, uh, were born, so we're still working on the fence. Huh? We're still working on it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> certainly conditions change. Yeah. Human nature is the same. Yeah. yeah. One last question: What happened to the tree of knowledge after they were expelled? Because God even tried to protect the tree from life, but what happened to the tree of knowledge? It was cut, and then no, I think uh, we don't. Uh, it, it doesn't say. Let's just put it that way. Though, but it also doesn't say that, that, that anything happened to it. So it's probably still there where the tree of life is. Um, but God, God was most interested in protecting the tree of life after the, the uh, Adam and Eve were expelled.